I had a couple of co-workers one time. Okay. Secular workplace. One of my co-workers was a Nazarene pastor who okay. was working a part-time job, and uh, he used another Bible. Another one of my co-workers was a free will Baptist who used another Bible. And I just showed them, Catholic garbage can, 55,000 missing words, and they got mad. And they said, who gave these people authority to take all those words out of the Bible? Why would I want something that was found in a garbage can? And both of those guys said, we're using the King James from now on. Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today and joining me again is uh, Brother Don Asawardi. Uh, having been on uh, Maverick University already in the past, we're glad to have you back again, Brother Asawardi. Glad to be back. Brother Asawardi is a faculty member here at Providence Baptist College and has a wide variety of experience in the ministry, having been an assistant pastor, uh, pastor of a church as a missionary in Russia, and now uh, acting as the uh, dean of ministry here at Providence Baptist College. And so we're going to be talking about something that I think is very, um, it raises a lot of eyebrows. It, uh, it peaked a little peaks controversy. A of, peaks a lot of interest, a little controversial. Um, as independent fundamental Baptists, we have always seemed to make an issue of the King James Bible and mm -hmm. those that are not independent fundamental Baptists, and even those that maybe, even some that are independent fundamental Baptists, may make an issue of not using mm -hmm. the King James Bible. And I wanted to talk about just a, we're going to cover this in several episodes, but in this particular edition, I don't want to get into the weeds. I don't want to get into too deep of, you know, facts or a study. Is there an easy way for someone to just get a brief skim of this topic and come away with some kind of conclusion, even after just skimming and just scanning the details? So basically, the question is, why do we use the King James Bible? And do we need an entire college course uh, on the topic to even determine which Bible we should use. Well, we do have a class here at the college for our students, which I think is an important class. It's called sure. Manuscript Evidence, and it really does go into great detail about the Bible and how we got it and, and really goes into great depth. And I think that's important, especially for young men who are going to be handling the Word of God as ministers. Um, but I think that study is maybe a little heavy for the average Christian, and I don't sure. think that you need to know that much about it in order to understand that the King James Bible is the one that we should be using. So the depth of knowledge for a Bible college student going into ministry this deep, but you don't need that much knowledge to right. at least make a decision about what Bible you're going to use and which Bible you hold to be the Word of God. Right. I think we could make it a lot more simpler, and that's, that's why I'm here today. Okay, perfect. So one of the questions I want to ask is, what is the history of uh, behind the movement to alternate versions of the Bible? Well, there's some really colorful characters and some really colorful stories that go along with the, the new Bible movement. Sure. Um, basically, you've got these two manuscripts. Now, we know that uh, the Bible was printed on a printing press for the first time in the late 1400s when the printing press was invented. Before sure. that, every copy had to be written out by hand. And because it's written by hand, the Latin word manuscript means writing by hand. Okay. So these were handwritten copies. And it's not like having a printing press where you get it right and then you just crank off a thousand copies. Every single letter, every single word has to be carefully copied. And there is 
in, in most manuscripts, you know, that are non-biblical, certainly you'll find all kinds of errors and mistakes, and it's just difficult. I mean, if you were to sit down and write out a copy of something that somebody else had done, doing it by hand, it has a tendency to, to have mistakes in it. Sure. So, there are all these different manuscripts. Manuscript evidence is the study of all the tens of thousands of manuscripts that we have that were written out before the printing press was invented. Well, the two that have caused the most controversy and have led to the movement to change the King James Bible and put it into different words uh, goes back to these two manuscripts that are called Codex Vaticanus mm -hmm. and Codex Sinaiticus. Now, the first of those, Codex Vaticanus. Now, the Vatican is where the Pope lives in Rome. It is sure. the headquarters of the Roman Catholic Church. So basically, this manuscript, it is a beautiful, very, very old manuscript of the Bible that is kept in Rome, in basically in the Pope's personal library. Okay. All right, well, that ought to make you wonder right off the bat, why are we putting so much faith and trust in a manuscript that comes directly from the Catholic Pope? The other manuscript, Codex Sinaiticus. Now, the Sinaiticus tells us that they found this manuscript in the desert of the Sinai Peninsula in a Catholic monastery. And the interesting story behind that is there was a German archaeologist, theologian, uh, his name was Tischendorf, okay. and he kind of thought of himself as kind of a Christian Indiana Jones back in the 1800s, and he traveled all around the Holy Land, and he did archaeology, and he did study, and he was very interested in old manuscripts. Well, he visited this monastery because he knew they had lots and lots of old manuscripts there. He noticed they had a garbage can that was stuffed with old scrolls, and he said, these scrolls look really, really old. And the monk said, oh yeah, they're garbage. We just use them. We tear off sheets of the, the, the parchment and we use them to help light the fire in the furnace. He's like, what are you, crazy? This must be, uh, this must be 1,500 years old. I mean, I can tell by looking at it. This is the oldest manuscripts I've ever seen. And they told him, these are no good. They're garbage. I mean, we know manuscripts. We work with them all the time. And these are garbage. We throw them in the garbage can. We just use them to light the fires. Well, long story short, Tischendorf smuggled some copies of these manuscripts out of the mind, basically stole them, yeah. brought them to the British Museum in London and, uh, and began to study them and found out that this manuscript was very, very different than any other manuscript that we normally see. It had verses that were missing that, you know, mm -hmm. he figured, well, you know, well, here, and here was, the, here was the fallacy that he came up with. Since this manuscript is hundreds of years older than anything we've ever seen before, it must be closer to the source and it must be more reliable. And any verse that's missing in here must have been added later. And okay. any, any verses uh, that are added here, you know, they, they must have been taken out later. So it was heralded to the world as now we have a new source for scriptural translation. Um, now, where did, those, where did those scrolls come from? The Roman Emperor Constantine. He was the one who supposedly converted to Christianity, yeah. brought Christianity into tolerance and acceptance in the Roman Empire. He needed many, many copies of the Bible because there weren't that many. I sure. mean, Christianity had been underground. So he ordered from some of his top scholars 
uh, 50 expensive, ornate copies of the Bible. And they were ordered from a scriptorium in Alexandria, Egypt. Alexandria in Egypt was a source of a lot of false doctrine, especially if you study the early church history Mm -hmm. in the first centuries. A lot of the really weird heresies came out of Egypt and Alexandria. Well, if you study the, uh, these, especially these two, Codex Vaticanus, Codex Sinaiticus, apparently these are two of the surviving copies that were ordered by Constantine himself. So these go back to like the third century or the fourth century. So indeed, these are very old. They are very, very old yeah. and much older than anything we have. So why would we suspect that there's anything wrong with them? Well, in the first place, they came from Alexandria. They apparently are based on a translation that was based on a a scholar named Origen. Um, He is sometimes presented as one of our Christian fathers of the faith, but the guy was a heretic. I mean, he didn't believe in the resurrection. He didn't believe in hell. Uh, He believed that Jesus Christ was a created being. Basically, he was a third century uh, Jehovah's Witness. I mean, not by that name, but I mean, the guy was just, he was really messed up uh, in his doctrine. Okay. And he... He translated the Bible, copied the Bible, and just took out the verses that he didn't like and added in things that he did like. And when you study the writings of Origen and you compare them to these two codexes, it's like, well, now we see the source of this. It's a very corrupt source. So getting your Bible from Alexandria, Egypt, is just as bad as getting your Bible from Watchtower Press. Exactly. Okay. And the copying process is such that if you have a copy and you put it on your shelf and it's known to be a corrupted copy, and it's just there for decoration, it never gets used by real Bible believers. And it can sit there century after century. Nobody ever touches it. Nobody ever uses it. It's just there for decoration, and it lasts. Now, at the same time, up in Antioch, which is where the church was started, where they were first called Christians, Mm -hmm. history tells us that Antioch also was a source for Bible copying. And they made thousands of copies of the Bible. It went all over the Roman Empire, and the churches used these and copied these. So you have one source of the Bible that comes from a corrupt Roman Roman Empire, corrupted heretical source in Egypt. That's unused. That nobody ever uses because they know it's junk. And then you have another source of documents of Scripture that that is kept by the churches and the Christians themselves. And these get used all the time. Well, I have a Bible here that I've had for just a few years, and it's already, I mean, the binding is broken, and it's it's wearing out. So a Bible that is good, that gets used all the time, doesn't last very long. If you've ever seen a book that's 100 years old, you know how fragile it is. And so these copies that were good were constantly used. They would wear out. They actually would burn them, and then they they would make copies from the good copies, and then they'd burn the old ones. The King James Bible, which was translated at the order of the King of England in in 1611 is when it was published, that was published based on a family of manuscripts that had been collected and collated by a man named Erasmus, and he said all of the tens of thousands of manuscripts we have available can be compared, and it's very obvious what the actual text is. Somebody may have left out a letter here or added a word here, but if you compare 10,000 manuscripts and 9,999 of them say one thing and the other one obviously has a word missing, you know what the text is. That principle 
gives us a text that came to be known as the Texas Receptus, or the received text, which was received by the Christians in the churches. That's where the King James Bible received its, its uh, foundation. That's what was translated into English. And it was used from 1611 all the way up to the late uh, 1800s. Well, then new manuscripts are found and people just get all hyped up. Man, we got this new manuscript. We should have a Bible that's revised Mm -hmm. to reflect the best manuscripts. The best manuscripts being the oldest ones, which when you think it through, you realize they are absolutely not the best manuscripts. The guys who knew most about them and actually were in charge of them threw them in a garbage can. Okay, so they're not the best manuscripts, but every time you read a scholar who says, now the best manuscripts translate it this way, so it should have said this. Do we want a Bible that's based on the text that the Christians in all the churches had used and copied and accepted for thousands of years, or do we want a Bible that came out of a garbage can in a monastery and the Pope's uh, library? Every single new version, whether it's the revised version, the new international version, the, the English, I mean, even the new King James, you compare the verses and you'll see that it matches up with the readings in the garbage can manuscripts. So for me, the history shows me I've got the right Bible and every other English Bible comes from the garbage can manuscripts. So on a simple level, that's enough for me to know I've got the right Bible in the King James. So Given the history, uh, and you know the King James Bible is here with its history, uh, the modern versions are here with their history, obviously um, its history matters and its background and the source of the text matters. And obviously if your source is bad, then you're going to have bad content. So obviously we, we haven't even talked about the content of these versions yet in comparison with each other. What, why are some problems with some modern versions, especially in the content? That's another really interesting study that you don't have to uh, go to a, take a college course to, to find out that, for example, the, they leave a lot of words out and entire verses. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the NIV has 55,000 fewer words than the King James. Okay, that's more than just incidental. That's... That's I mean, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever, I've written a lot of stuff, but I don't know that I've never written anything in 55,000 words. Yeah. How could they take out that many words and not take out something important? Sure. That in itself tells me there's something seriously wrong with these new translations. Um, they leave out all complete verses. Mm-hmm. I've got a list here of verses, complete verses that are left out of the, the NIV Bible. For example, um, in Matthew 17, when they're dealing with the, demo- the demon-possessed boy, Jesus said, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. That verse is completely missing in, in wow. the NIV. That is a powerful tool that we use in our, our battle against Satan, mm-hmm. and that Bible takes it away from us. Uh, Matthew 18 says, The Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. I need that verse. Amen. Who told yeah. somebody they could take that verse out? Somebody yeah. didn't like that verse and just took it out. 
when the Philip is baptizing the eunuch. The eunuch says, what do I have to do if I want to be baptized? The verse that the NIV takes out says, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Wow. I need that as instructions for who I can baptize. Sure. The NIV takes that out. First uh, John 5, 7 talks about the Trinity. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The NIV takes that verse out completely. Wow. And if it doesn't take it out completely, there are lots and lots of verses where they just put like a footnote that says, this was not in the best manuscripts. Okay. And those best manuscripts are, you know, to the average reader, well, I guess it should it should be that way if that's, that's what the best manuscripts are. Yeah. But the best manuscripts in their mind are the ones that sure. you find in the Pope's library and in a garbage can. Um, you have copyrights. Mm -hmm. You pick up any of these new translations and you've got a copyright. Well, why would a, why would a book have a copyright? It's, it has a copyright so you can make exclusive money off of it publishing it. The King James Bible is the only English Bible we have that doesn't have a copyright. And so anybody, it's public domain, God gave it to us. The Christians over the centuries have helped to preserve it for us. And anybody can use it. Anybody can publish it. Anybody can make a copy of it. So is your Bible ministry or industry is right. the question. There you go. Um, you look at who endorses the new Bibles. Okay. Um, yeah. Anytime a new Bible comes out, they get all these celebrity endorsements. Without fail, it's some kind of a preacher that has false doctrine. Uh, they're in some kind of a rock and roll church. They are compromisers. They don't follow the straight doctrine of the Bible. And they are the ones who are always endorsing the new Bibles. Interesting. So a lot of just... Just plain problems with the with the new translations. They're just not accurate. They they leave things out. They're they're messed up. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean? We talked about this before, but what do you mean by a Bible sniff test? All right. So when I read the King James Bible, it speaks to my heart. Sure. It's beautiful. It has lovely language. When I pick up another version and I read it, it just falls flat. Uh, Ronald Reagan addressed that. I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but Ronald Reagan was a radio commentator before he was president. Okay. He had a nationwide, uh, like a five-minute commentary broadcast that was syndicated all over the nation. And he once did a broadcast about a new version of the Bible that was coming out. And he said, what would you say if somebody told you, we've got to rewrite all the works of Shakespeare so they're more understandable. We've got to rewrite all the Charles Dickens novels. We've got to rewrite the, uh, the Beethoven's Fifth Symphony so that it's more understandable. You'd say, well, no, those are classics. Mm -hmm. they, need to, they, they, are, they have a beauty. Why would you tamper with that? And he says, well, that's what people are doing with the Bible. He mentions a new version of the Bible that had just come out at that time. And he said the authorized version, which is another name for our King James Bible, mm -hmm. is the one that came into being when the England of King James was scoured for the best translators and scholars at a time when the English language had reached its peak of richness and beauty. He said, this King James Bible that we've always used for hundreds of years is a beautiful thing. Even H.L. Mencken, who was a godless man of literature, said the King James Bible was probably the most beautiful piece of writing in any language. Reagan gives a couple of uh, examples. He said, the King James Bible says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way. This new version that was just coming out at the time said, someone is shouting in the desert, get the road ready. 
He said, mm. it sounds like the straw boss announcing lunch hour is over. It's just, <laughs> it's not special. It's yeah. not rich. It's not beautiful. Uh, the Christmas story, he says, um, the wondrous words, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. In this new version, it said, don't be afraid. I'm here with good news for you. It's a little casual. Yeah, and, you know, you can look at some of these versions. Um, there's a version that takes Genesis where it says, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And it rewords it to, the serpent was one bad dude. So it can get really ridiculous. Yeah, it's even to, to the point of using profanity. I mean, there are modern versions that actually have swear words where the, the King James Bible presents it in a way that's appropriate for, for all ages. And at the time the King James Bible, the, at the time the revised version, the first of the big uh, um, versions was, was published, mm -hmm. there was a, a bishop in the Church of England who said, when I read the new version, when I have been reading the King James and I read the new version, it feels like I have been riding down a blacktop road in a beautiful carriage with perfect suspension. And when I go to the New Bible, it feels like I'm, ro I'm riding on a road that's rocky and rough with potholes and there's no suspension on the wagon. It's just clunky. My grandmother read the King James Bible. She could understand it. She knew what it taught and she lived by it. And it brought her to salvation in Jesus Christ. And she's in heaven today because she could understand the King James Bible. They ran the King James Bible through a computerized analysis which they use for school textbooks to determine what is the grade level, uh, the, the reading level, the grade level. Mm -hmm. The King James Bible came out after that analysis at about a sixth or seventh grade level based on the vocabulary, just the, the length of the sentences. It is a very understandable book. They ran the New International Version through the same filter and it came out much more difficult, maybe a ninth or 10th grade reading level. So it's literally harder to read these new versions that are marketed as easier to understand. It's just a scam to make money. And I think of the hundreds of millions of dollars and the tens of thousands of hours that have been spent trying to rewrite something that didn't need to be rewritten Lester Olaf used to say, don't rewrite it, reread it. I like and that. They, they could have taken all that money, they could have gone to the mission field, they could have reached people for Jesus Christ, but they, I feel like that is such a tremendous waste of money to have rewritten the Bible and to base it on garbage. When, when I pick up the Bible and I say, well, do I want this Bible that came out of the churches that have preserved it, the Christians throughout the centuries have preserved it because they loved it and believed it, or do I want this other Bible that came out of a Catholic garbage can? Do I want a Bible that has been checked and rechecked and reused and recopied lovingly so that they didn't miss anything or leave it out? I mean, they would take tens of thousands of manuscripts and compare them and they'd find out what the right wording is supposed to be. You've got that many manuscripts to work with, mm -hmm. you can tell it's really not that hard. You take this Bible, which has everything it's supposed to have, or do I want a Bible that they leave out 55,000 words? The sniff test. This, I can just tell by the way this makes me feel, by the, by the history, by the, the way it speaks to me. I know this is a good Bible, and the other Bible, it just smells bad. So the sniff test applies to the history, just a brief view of the history. It just smells bad. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, use the King James Bible. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the contents within. The flaws. Uh, the and also when it comes to the aesthetical beauty of it yes. as well. Mm -hmm. Now, the ultimate question is this. Uh, have you been able to persuade anybody using these you know, very 
brief arguments. Very interesting. I, several times in my life, I think of a couple, I had a couple of co-workers one time. Okay. Secular workplace. One of my co-workers was a Nazarene pastor who okay. was working a part-time job, and uh, he used another Bible. Another one of my co-workers was a free will Baptist who used another Bible. And I just showed them, Catholic garbage can, 55,000 missing words, and they got mad. And they said, who gave these people authority to take all those words out of the Bible? Why would I want something that was found in a garbage can? Why do I want something that sounds like, you know, a, just some fourth grade kid just reworded it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be or not to be, said Shakespeare. Well, you're going to be or not. I mean, there, there's a beauty yeah. that comes with the real thing that a cheap imitation obviously doesn't measure up. And both of those guys said, we're using the King James from now on. Another guy that I met in Russia, he was a Christian man, not a fellow missionary, but a Christian man, used another Bible. I showed him those things, and, and he got upset at the people that would tamper with something and tell him that the new one was better than the old one, and he switched, and he's a King James man to this day. Well, I appreciate you giving us this little quick Bible sniff test so we can, uh, you know, apply this to our lives and maybe there's some people out there searching and wondering and maybe people who are just totally ignorant on the issue and maybe this will shed a little bit of light for them. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And we'll continue on this topic in other episodes, obviously getting deeper into it as well. So if you want to check out our other conversations about this topic, make sure you check out our Maverick University uh, YouTube channel and also the audio-only podcast platforms. Make sure that you like and you subscribe as well. Thanks for joining us. 